with me to John chapter number 4. Gospel of John chapter number 4. In the first half of this chapter, um, we see the story with the woman at the well in Samaria, a pretty well-known passage where Jesus and his disciples are going through Samaria. And they're stopping at the well of Jacob, and he sends his disciples into the city, the city of Sychar, to get some food while Jesus is waiting there at the well for a divine appointment with this woman, this Sumerian woman. And she comes in the middle of the day, which was uncommon, and they talk about theology, talk about salvation, and that woman leaves there totally changed. And she leaves and goes into the city and tells everyone about this man that has told her everything she has ever done in her life. And the disciples come back, and tonight we're going to pick up in verse number 31, if you'll stand with me in honor of God's word, John chapter number 4, verse 31, and we're going to read through verse number 38. In the meanwhile... His disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore, the, said the, therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your word and what we can learn from it and glean from it this afternoon. I pray that you'll speak through me with your Holy Spirit and let all of our hearts be open to what your word has to say. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. So Jesus has this encounter with the woman at the well in Samaria. And after his encounter with the woman at the well, the disciples returned to Jesus with the food that they had found, that he had sent them to go get. And the disciples had to urge Jesus to eat. Note that they had to urge him to eat. Even though Jesus would have already been tired and famished and thirsty, he had to ask the woman for water from the well and didn't really ever get it, tell his disciples to go and get some food in the city, and they're bringing it back to him. He stayed behind wearied, hungry, and thirsty, but he found himself satisfied far greater than food ever could. And his disciples had to press him to eat food. He says to them, I have meat that ye know not of. The disciples bring him food, and he tells me he already has food. The disciples start asking each other, well, where did he get the food from? Who brought him food? Did you bring him food, Simon? Where, where did he get food from? Why, why did we even have to go into Sakaar? You already had food. But Jesus tells them in verse 34, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. To Jesus, there was something that was far more satisfying than food. He sent his disciples to get food, but come back and he doesn't even need it. Without a drop of water from the well and having to be forced to eat by the disciples, he had this conversation with the woman at the well and it satisfied him so much more than anything that they could have brought him. He completely forgot that he was even hungry. Now, have you ever been into something so much that you completely forget about everything else you need? We get into things. We get into, into good movies or TV shows. We get into our work so much or, or a project, and we completely forget about everything we need that we f- we're supposed to eat sometime during the day. 
I remember one evening when I was younger, I was reading a book before bed. You know, calm down before bed, put myself to sleep a little bit. But it got to this really, really good part. And I couldn't stop reading. And I was so into this book. Next thing I knew, I looked at the clock and it was three in the morning. And I was supposed to be up at six for school. And I just remember being so into that book that I completely lost track of time. I didn't even realize I was tired. I was so into that book. And we get into things like that. That is the passion that Jesus felt for this woman at the well in Samaria. That's the kind of passion he had for her. Jesus tells them that doing the will of God was far greater than food. He had so much passion for the woman at the well. He was so excited for that episode with the woman. He loved her so dearly, he didn't think about anything else. He was so passionate about that woman, and he's also that passionate about you. Jesus is so passionate for you and your soul. He was so passionate for you that he left his realm in heaven to come and die for you. And he loves you so much that he put all aside that he had in heaven, all of his riches of glory for you. And my question to you is, do you have that passion for him? Do you have that passion to do the will of the Father? I'll tell you one thing, the will of the Father tonight is for you to see people get saved. His passion is for souls. Do you have the passion for souls that Jesus had for the woman at the well in Samaria? If you really get yourself into soul winning, it'll make you forget about everything else. It'll make you forget about everything you need. You'll forget what time it is. When you get to lead a person to Christ, there is such a thrill in that moment that you seem to forget about everything else. The times that I've gotten to lead someone to the Lord, I was so excited about it. It's all I could talk about for a while. And I know that's all they could talk about the moment they got saved. It's an exciting thing to see someone ask Jesus to be their personal savior. And it becomes a passion when you get to see people getting saved. If you've not gotten to experience that excitement, see someone get saved. Lead someone to the Lord even this week. May every Christian serve God with that deep passion for souls that Jesus had. And may it take so much of our thoughts and our time that we forget about everything else. In the rest of this teaching moment to the disciples, Jesus makes a call for harvest. Jesus tells them the harvest isn't four months away, but the harvest is right now. Obviously, the harvest he's talking about is souls. It was ready to be plucked, it was ripe, and it was ready. Jesus said to them, don't think that the harvest is four months away. The harvest is right now. Men's hearts are ready right now to hear the truth and for their souls to be reaped. The time of sowing had already been happening. Now it was harvest time. And there's never been such a time as this for us to be spreading the gospel around the world. And Jesus sends them out on a mission of great harvest. The time is now and the time is ready for a fresh harvest. Salvation has really been sown throughout the whole Bible. Great men of God all throughout history have been enacting God's will. The Savior has been spoken of and prophesied for centuries all throughout the Bible. The heavens declare the salvation of the Lord. Right before this, John the Baptist declared of someone who would come after him that would baptize them with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The seeds of salvation have been planted and the harvest is ready. And the Bible is that seed. The seed has been planted in the hearts of men. And we find Jesus throughout the whole thing. From Genesis through Revelation, we see this as a love letter from God through Jesus Christ. A lot of sowing has been done. And now it is time for harvest. And Jesus tells them that those who sow 
and those who reap rejoice together. You know, Jesus sure loves using that illustration of reaping and sowing. I can think of at least three different times that he uses that illustration for reaping and sowing. Let me tell you a little bit about sowing really quickly. We're going to do a little bit of sowing tonight. I've got this pot of dirt. I'm not going to tip it too much. I don't want to get dirt everywhere. We got this pot of dirt, and I'll just put that right here so you can see it enough. And here we've got some seeds. We're going to do some sowing tonight. Got this seed right here. Not too sure what this is, but let's see this pot as a ministry. Okay, this pot is a ministry, and this is the gospel, the word of God. And we're going to do a little bit of sowing. You know, get a little bit of there, put that in there, buried a little bit. And this is exciting work, people. You ready? Let's watch this. Here we go. Oh, hold on. Forgot something. little labor in there. That should do it. All right. Here we go. Ready? Sewing is long. Sewing takes really a long time. You know, for a lot of sewing, you're just going to be looking at a bunch of dirt. If you really think about that, you're going to be looking at a lot of dirt. There's nothing really exciting about sewing. There's not all that much going on. Sewing isn't easy. It's really not easy. Now, this is just a small pot with one seed that I put in there. But think about a farmer with 100 acres. Think of him having to do one seed at a time. That's a lot of work and a lot of labor to plant each one of them individually and to water all of it for a long, long time. It's not easy work. It takes diligence. Sowing takes time. There's so much frustration that happens during sowing. Different seeds take different amounts of time. Now, a few months back, my wife and I were planting some grass seed. We planted the seed. We watered it. It only took about three weeks before we actually started seeing the grass sprouting. And it was exciting that it happened so quickly. But have you ever thought about some seeds like a, a pineapple? When you plant a pineapple, do you know how long it takes before you'll see one pineapple grow out of that? Two years. It takes two years to see fruit from planting a pineapple. It takes a long time. And really that's the part that gets a lot of people. Because we tend to be really impatient that we don't see instant results. We get discouraged and we get frustrated. I remember my first ever science project in kindergarten. We were given a pot and we planted the seeds ourselves, and we took them home and we were supposed to water them and put them in front of a window. And I remember waking up every morning, my excited kindergarten self, to see this flower finally bloom. And I was always disappointed that it never bloomed. I don't know what I did. I got a black thumb or something. But I was so excited to see a flower. I was so frustrated as a little kid, that I was not seeing anything more than just dirt. It's probably the most frustrating part is just waiting. But according to God, sowing also has great reward. We sow because there's a great reward with it. There's nothing like being able to have a great harvest. And we reap. After sowing comes a time of reaping. And we see beautiful things. I don't know if these plants are fake or if you, if you reaped them from Walmart or what. But seeing these is so much better. Just, just the sight of it. It's so pretty. We, we, we have an accomplishment when the seed finally sprouts and we get this beautiful flower. It's such a wonderful, wonderful thing to reap. And it takes a lot of patience and diligence to sow. There's such an accomplishment with it when you finally see it. 
In terms of sowing and reaping with souls, those same principles do apply. Soul winning isn't easy. Soul winning takes time. It takes a lot of work, a lot of diligence. And there's a lot of groundwork that happens on the mission field and in church planting. Some missionaries don't even see a single soul saved for years. I think the longest I heard of, I don't remember which missionary was, but he didn't see a single soul saved in his field for 12 years. Can you imagine being called of God, knowing with certainty where God is calling you to go, and you don't get to see any fruit for 12 years? That'd be really discouraging for, for, for a missionary, for anyone in ministry, to not see someone saved in 12 years. But here God promises that the sower and the reaper rejoice together. God has such great reward for those who sow faithfully. He's not necessarily just asked you to reap, but he has asked you to be a faithful sower. When you get to heaven, he's not going to say, well, you tried. No, he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Be faithful to sowing. There's such wonderful blessings in heaven for those who sow faithfully. God bless the sowers. But what about those missionaries that never do get to see the reaping? They never do get to see the harvest and they, they sow all of their lives and either age or, or, or physical ailment keeps them from really getting to be present for that harvest. Missionary may have to leave the field before they get to see people saved. Life is only so short. And a, a missionary person may pass away before they get to see a bountiful harvest. One missionary story that comes to mind for me is that of Nate Saint. Now, Nate Saint, he and, a, and four other missionaries, five of them all together, they were, the Lord called them to Ecuador. And they would fly over Ecuador for a long time and drop care packages with the gospel in it and everything. And they did this for a long time, planting these seeds in Ecuador. And the time finally came for them to actually land on the ground and begin planting and church planting in their work there. Not too long, though, after they landed, a group of the natives got together and killed all of them. In spite of all of their groundwork, all of their diligent work for a long time, they never got to see any of the fruit. But it sure did plant seeds in Ecuador. And the work continued on in Ecuador. It was a hard thing for them to work so hard for so long flying over Ecuador that when they hit the ground, they're killed pretty quickly afterward. They sowed and sowed, but never got to enjoy that bountiful harvest. But I know that God had great reward for them in heaven. If we look at the history of missionaries, there's been a lot of sowing happening all around the world. But you know, life is short and death is sure. There's a lot of missionaries that may never actually get to see the fruits of their labor. But here's an interesting observation that I did notice about this story. God was telling the disciples that the fields were already ripe to harvest. He was calling them to a fruitful ministry, to reap. He wasn't necessarily calling them at that time to start something brand new, just to reap where it had already been sown. He was sending them to reap where it had been sown. And Jesus is sending people to reap where other people have sown as well. And I wonder tonight, who will pick up where other missionaries, other ministers, other preachers have been sowing seeds for a long time? I wonder tonight who would be willing to go where others have labored. There's a lot of ministries that have done a lot of sowing. And the time is coming where someone may need to take up that work. 
In fact, there may be a ministry that is right on the verge of a great harvest, but the work has been so long and so hard that the pastor might not be able to to finish the work. Who will come alongside that pastor or take up the work that he has been so diligent to sow? That time of transition, though, it seems like so many of those ministries get uprooted. Some new young person comes along and and changes all the doctrine and changes the way that the previous pastor had done. When really, if they had stayed with the Bible, stayed with how the pastor had been working, stayed so diligent to the work that had already been done, and just reaped where it had already been sown, there would have been a great harvest. But they just decide to dump it all out and start over. God may be calling you to start a work of your own, but be willing to go where others have been sowing for so long. And you know what? Don't complicate it. Just reap it. The church we're sent out of, Worth Baptist Church, I'm so grateful because there's a legacy of four pastors at that church from the start to even now. Our young pastor, Tyler Gillett, not that young, but pretty young. And that is a rare thing to hear of churches even lasting two pastors, let alone four. And you know, the only way that that has been possible is because the one pastor kept the work of the previous and the next and the next. And it continued to reap where they had been sowing so diligently for so long. They were all faithful to God's word and in being diligent in sowing and reaping. Really quick, going back to that story of Nate Saint, you know, after he died, his sister went back as a missionary to Ecuador. And, you know, she got to see the people that killed Nate Saint and those other men, got to see them get saved. You know, something even cooler about that, a few weeks ago, I was actually at a missions conference where we met someone who was another missionary to Ecuador. And he said, you know, I got to meet those natives that killed Nate Saint. And, you know, within five minutes of talking to them, they were talking to me about the gospel and what Jesus did for them and how Jesus changed their lives. Nate Saint's sister got to reap where he had been sowing for such a long time. And it's such an encouraging story to me that we can reap where others have been sowing for a long time. I'll tell you that I'm so grateful we get to go and work with my in-laws because they've been sowing in Brazil for such a long time. And we may be coming up to a time of great harvest. I have faith that God is bringing a great harvest to southern Brazil. But an interesting fact as well, do you know what happens after you have a great harvest? More sowing. Keep right on going. And maybe after you, someone will come along and and pick up your harvest. But I'm calling everyone here tonight to be a faithful sower no matter where you go. Whether that's that neighbor that is so bitter against God and it's so irritating to continue knocking on their door just for them to slam the door in your face or, or yell at you to leave them alone. Be diligent with that person because seeds are being sown in their hearts. You know, a statistic I've heard, I'm not sure how true it is. The average amount of encounters with Jesus in any way, shape, or form it takes for a person to get saved is an average of 60 times. Now, some people, it might be the first time. Some people might be the 150th time. But that average of all of them is around 60 times. So if you think about it in that way, that if it takes 60 times for one person to encounter Christ... To, to get saved, where are you in that line? Which, which number of times is this that this person has encountered Christ? Is it their first time you've ever knocked on their door and the first time they've ever encountered Christ? Is it the 20th? Is it the 30th? Is it the 100th? 
Or is it that time that they are actually going to be getting saved? We don't know. So be diligent in continuing with that person that almost irritates you a little bit by how cold they are. Continue to be faithful sowers and let there be a wonderful time of reaping. And it may be that someone else reaps where you've sown. Be diligent in sowing and know that your blessings and rewards will be in heaven. And be excited when you get to reap. Enjoy the reaping. I even wonder before we're even on the field, who will come after us to continue the work in southern Brazil? I wonder that. Let the sowers and the harvesters rejoice together and let us all work together to continue the harvest that Christ began in such a time as this. Lord, Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we get to hear from your word, that there's such great reward for us as we sow and as we reap. Lord, I pray for everyone here that we would have a passion for souls, a passion for the lost, and a diligence to never give up sowing. Help us to see the harvest where it is and send us to go and reap. But also, Lord, let each one of us be willing to be a faithful sower, that we may hear in heaven how wonderful we have done as your servants. Lord, we love you so much, and we are here to serve you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.